Yeah. Awesome. So my name is Amanda Kasseri. My pronouns are she, her. Today is uh, 23 October 2021, and I'm speaking with Sam Sangati, uh, who I met at PyCon two years ago now, I think. Um, Three. Three. 20, I think it was 2019. Um, in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, And I'm recording this conversation for Open Source Stories in what looks pretty dark, but is actually a beautiful, sunny-ish day here in New England. Uh, And my first memory of a computer, uncle worked for IBM in the early 1980s, and he gave us a home PC. It was an IBM PC Junior to have that started living in my dining room uh, when I was a kid. Uh, and Samson, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Samson Gaudi. Um, he, him. Uh, and today, t- should I say like today's date, or should I just skip no, that? You can. Yeah. Skip so, that. I'm, yeah. So I'm recording from from um, London, United Kingdom, but I'm Nigerian. I'm from Nigeria. Cool. And what's your first memory of a computer in your life? Oh, so my first memory uh, basically back in grade school, uh, we we had like uh, the first moment to like see computers, and it was pretty awesome because why I didn't get the vibe at the beginning because we were taught to like use like Microsoft offices. That was like pretty bad for me, but I think when I went back after the class and I watched some sci-fi movies and I got pretty excited about the possibilities of what you can do with computers rather than just office work. Maybe it's just me saying that I don't like. The traditional office work with computers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like yeah. office work with computers now? Yeah, yeah, because my job is part of it now. <laughs> I have to spend a bunch of times on spreadsheet, Google, Google, Google Docs, and some bunch of tooling um, um, as part of my job. But compared to when I much when I was much started, I was like more into like you know use cases, programming, and some other tactical things rather than just office work. So. Yeah, one of the things I was running away from is like something catching up with now. So <laughs> always learn as much as you can when you're much younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of learning uh, things you can while you're young, can you first mm-hmm. maybe describe your first encounters with open source and a little bit of your early journey with it? Yeah, sure. Um Interestingly, when I became very tactical, about, I mean, when I saw computer from a tactical level, um, luckily for me, I got introduced to the tactical world of programming in, I think, as early as grade six or grade seven, I'm not sure when. Um, and then that was true. Again, that, that was a little bit different because I was not looking at the Windows computer because I was kind of fed up with those things. I couldn't resonate with it at that point. Um, so there was, a, there was a popular project from the MIT Media Lab and I think with the United Nations at some point called the One Laptop Per Child Project. So I got introduced to that, in, like I said, within my grade six or grade seven. Um, I think it was it grade six or grade seven, actually. Maybe grade seven, I feel so. Um, and then that's how I got in, interested into open source because the, the, the full, I mean, it was running a full Linux machine, like full Linux desktop. And of course, the Linux desktop is open source. So that's how I started, you know, understanding the, you know, what is open source. It's a very different culture from where I'm, where I'm from. So having to make more research and like, you know, out of frustration anyways, because um, my peers at that time was using Windows for 
some gaming. I'm big into like football, which the, the Americans call soccer, which I forgive them for. Anyways, <laughs> um, so I was a little bit frustrated in like trying to get my some of those PC games that I was used to over to my computer. They were again they were pretty slow, and also um, the there were limitations of the actual architecture of the desktop itself. So that got me interested in like I want to fix these things, and why am I not running? exe files or why I'm not running Windows files. So I got to understand the concept of operating system and through that process I get I got to understand what open source is and like how like there are multiple distros out there. So when you were looking, so you were first getting started in grade school um, and none yeah. of your friends were interested, it sounds like in the same kind of technology platforms you were using, how did you find yeah. support and community for that, for figuring things out? <laughs> Honestly, it was hard. Um, it was hard because, well, yes, I was in the same school. And to give you context, um, the the project was for the whole school, so I was not just the the only person with that computer. But I think I was one of the fewer people, probably like the zero point one percent of the people that resonate with the computer at that time. Because, like I said, right, I'm someone as a as a child or when I was much younger, I was very very into breaking things and fixing things. I'm always want to know things behind. I mean, an average kid would want to do that anyways, um, but I was more into like having to get to the bottom of it. Like I'm always want to know what's happening over the hood. Um, so I think for me, the community was interesting um, from from a from an from a high level standpoint because the computer was in my school, so they were able to incorporate some of the um, Linux um, Linux apps. Well, the 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 um, we were running Sugar. Sugar is sort of based on um, Fedora or the GNOME um, desktop user interface, anyways. So there was some um, educational project that came from the Media Lab as apps, which we call Activity over the Sugar desktop environment. And some of the activities were sort of incorporated in my school curriculum temporarily, in, in a way, because. Um, Slumager was running a program, so the school was able to accommodate some of those programs. So one of it was the early version of Scratch. Um, Scratch, like one of the early version of it, was definitely way different from what people are using today. Um, so one, those are one of the tools. Um, some of the, um, depending on how back uh, you've been on the Python uh, Python side, um, one of the earliest implementation of the logo. Um, which is like using Tortoise to draw circles and square and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, so those are the things I was more into at that time. And that's why my, you know, um, the graphical programming language was something that I started with because, you know, the computer was more equipped for that before going into tech space. So the community was due to the, the, the way the computer was shaped and the vision for it. It's not African centric. It was not optimized in my environment because of the, the influence of what they think computer science is or what computer is to them, it was a little bit different. So that got me moved um, or got me pushed over going to the internet and going over to forums. And that's how I got introduced to the open source project that was based on the, that was obviously supporting the, the OS. And that's how I got to know what IRC was. You know, I, funny enough, I know what IRC first, I, I got into IRC before understanding what messaging was on, on phone. Yeah. So it was quite interesting because I was like, okay, this is not a bad interface because that's how I got <laughs> interested. My first exposure to like real-time messaging was IRC before understanding what SMS was and other things, which is which is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, and so when you were doing all of this work that, uh, so as a student trying to find things, mm -hmm. figure things out, get connected as part of the mm -hmm. community, was there anyone mm -hmm. in particular who was super influential as a part of your journey? 
Yeah, um, sadly, 99.9% of those folks are in the US because like I said, right, I, I due to, you know, how low of, um, uh, you know, the, the adoption of the Linux, you know, de and desktop, or in this case, um, PC desktop, which is still not so much of a of a impact these days, anyways. Um, was it was pretty low. It was Windows dominated environments. Yes, I was able to get support from um, some of my key folks from like the Slumgy program, which was more focused on the educational side of it, not necessarily what the computer was all about. But I think from the tactical side of the project, I was more closer to folks over at um, MIT Media Lab. So Cynthia Solomon, uh, which was one of the author for the um, logo programming language, which the Scratch and other tools came from. Um, another big person, um, Walter Bender, which also influenced my career and also helped me to understand the methodology around like, you know, learning while doing and the concept behind, you know, what the folks over at MIT. So he, at that time he was, I think the president of the MIT Media Lab. Um, so I was more optimized for folks over at the Media Lab and some folks within um, Harvard also. So kind of like an edutech or edtech um, um, influence, but more optimized between these two universities. So that's how I got, that's, that's where my supporting system was coming from before eventually going into the raw open source project and the community and then started to talk to a lot of people that were the user of the project and then were able to share ideas and, and improvements. Yeah. So you've said several times that you felt like your experience initially was centered in the U.S., was centered on mm -hmm. U.S. needs. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that um, that you've done a lot of work to change that. Can you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about like how did that early experience influence mm -hmm. your life now and what and your mm -hmm. work? Yeah, um, like I said, right, I, I was more I was I was technically forced to optimize for the US because that was where I was getting my supporting system from anyways. And why I was doing that and why it was great for me at some point to get to understand, you know, being in Nigeria, understanding a different culture, which helps me in terms of like better diversity. Um, at some point I started feeling alone. I started feeling alone because I wanted some real time improvement. I wanted people to talk to. I do have some friends that were in the same, like I said, the 0.1% of the people that were into that were able to form some groups, but then that was just us. And some of them had to change their mentality as they grow, you know, with different views and whatever. Uh, and of course, you know, you always, there's always going to be that time you grow out of your, you know, early child friendship and all that, which is, which is a universal thing anyways. Um, I think as much as I started interacting with a lot of people abroad, I started seeing how I could, start forming community over in, in Nigeria. And it was, to be honest, it was pretty, pretty it took me a pretty long time, to be honest. I, I'm saying about between grade seven and up until I would say, um, I think when I was out of high school, um, um, when I, what I was doing at that time was more of like speaking at events and, you know, going to universities. At some point I even became a guest lecturer for one university over in my school as a, as a high school graduate, which was pretty interesting. Um, introducing what computer science is with Python and Scratch and, you know, by doing all those things, it kind of shows that, okay, I need to start building a community of people around the same, not necessarily the same mentality, but also in, in the same interest. And I've, I, I didn't actually get the, the right framework to do that because when I was much younger, I was, I'm also kind of very introverted also at that time. Um, I'm so into myself and trying to be as, as low-key as possible. I think it remained until I attended my first um, 
tech gathering, which was not my own version of tech, because again, it's a very different, it was more optimized for the needs in Nigeria, which is like very super into like fintech and banking. Anyways, I did attend the conference and I saw some people not in the same level of where I was thinking, but somewhere around what, what, what I could identify as. And I was like, okay, cool, there's a value for this. And then I started optimizing people around me in my community. I started with people closer to me to start forming this group. And the first time I went over to the US, which was quite interesting, and it was from Google, um, the, the, the Google Sum of Code Mentor, no, sorry, Google, Google, Google Sum of, yeah, Google Sum of Code Mentor Summit was the first time I came to the US. So I went straight to Mountain View and I saw a community of people um, from a racial standpoint, I'm not into like, oh, there are a lot of going to be a lot of black people over there. I'm not, you know, I'm not that kind of person, but I saw that, okay, this is something that I could fix because I'm, I mean, the fact that I'm here, there could be more people that can be here also. So I, I noticed there was a pipeline problem. So I spoke with the team at that time, talking about what are the ways that I could optimize, you know, um, going, going to like evangelize around where I'm from. And then going back and then, you know, moving around all that over to the States, going to MIT for the first time, going to Harvard for the first time, that just kind of shows me that the importance of computers uh, is more into collaborations than people. Uh, so I started seeing the value of people and that started shaping my ideology of like, okay, there's a lot you can do from the people standpoint. So going back home, that just opened my, my ideology and started looking for people that had similar interests of building a community of people and then centered around particular conversations. Then I started, you know, mingling with those kind of folks and then we started building something. And that's one of the things that came out of that that was fruitful because I've done some things that failed actually, uh, was the Open Source Community Africa, which is one of the projects that I'm really, really excited for. Um, started sometime in like, early, um, late 2017 when I came back from the US and officially became a thing in like early 2018. And now we're, we're pretty, we're pretty big and pretty good actually. Yeah. So open source community, Africa, Africa is a continent, not a country. Of course. Unlike some people of course. in the US, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I'm really, yeah. so as, um, as you've been doing this now for about three, four years of like trying to mm -hmm. figure out a continent wide program, what have you learned mm -hmm. about things to, that, that are standardized or that you insist on doing the same and what needs to be localized or different based on the communities that you're working with? Yeah, um, you just said to yourself, Africa is a continent, but it's a very unique continent in a way because why it is continent and that could be comparable to the to Europe, you know, to Asia or to 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 both North and South America and other continents that I might not remember now. Trust me, I used to be a good student at some point. But... Antarctica <laughs> is in there somewhere too, right? So... Yes, 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 somewhere, 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 right? Yeah. Um, Africa is very unique in terms of like complete diversity. Um, the, um, even at some point, even on the racial side where the North is pretty different, you know, the South is pretty different, the East and the West is also pretty different. But then there's one thing that, is in terms of diversity, there's two major problems, not problems, but two major quote unquote challenges when it comes to like building communities. Um, one is language and two um, is cultures or religion. I would say more of like culture plus religion because some religion might feel standardized. I would say, oh, I'm Christian, but then Christianity could be something different from a different state or a different place in Africa. So sometimes I always say culture and religion coming together to form uniqueness, right? So for me, um, um, one of the things I was optimizing for 
was the religion side of things. You know, I know for a fact that people think different things and they have different morals. And, you know, depending on their background, they have different ideas. And then the concept of open source is very generic, or I would say it's very Western centric. And from those places, they are all either, you know, for someone that is moving over to the States um, for the first time, is kind of optimizing their life to be feared in the society. That means they are unlearning what they know, you know, from where they are coming from and trying to adapt into a new society so they could be law-abiding citizens, right? That That's a pretty normal thing. But then given the fact that these things are more designed from a one standardized effort, that kind of means something different over on the continent here because of how different people are. Giving is something, um, the, the concept of volunteering means different things from different angles. Some people are okay with it. To, to tell you how interesting that was, I remember the early stage when I was talking to my early um, members, it was like, hey, we're going to be doing most of these things for free. They were like, what? Who does that? And I was like, yeah, like I've seen it over in the Western world. They're like, yeah, that's the Western world. I was like, yeah, but how do you learn you know, they're like, okay, I need to have money. I was like, yeah, who would hire you to learn in, in the job in Africa? Think about it. Now, there's a bunch of things that um, was one of the early conversations um, when, when, when I started. Um, so I think, you know, we started optimizing for, you know, building, um, you know, local cities, right? I started with my city first. That was the first place we did the open source community um, chapter event. And then we did one or two, and then we saw that people were so interested. And then we moved over to Lagos, which is like a very, the biggest city, one of the, if not the biggest city in Africa uh, by population, not by size, it's a very small city, trust me. Um, but then, you know, but then there are a lot of people in there when it comes to diversity of thought. And then that was one of the biggest, real challenge at that time. So doing a successful event there and seeing how people are not just, not arguing what the concept of open source is, but bringing their own ideology on how to better it and better suit it in that, in that environment was something that was a plus. So we saw the value of people not trying to fix or trying to erase what is upstream, but better trying to understand how the upstream affects the downstream that, that you know when it comes to the society and that was a huge value for us and so we started optimizing for like local cities within the continent and then that's but then we now start having our own version of what open source is so what i normally do is to go to open source projects because i'm one of the privileged folks i get to travel to conferences and I get a good talks and say hey this is how we see open source in africa and this is how people if you want to do something over there this is the way you need to start thinking it's not a country it's a continent this is there are multiple languages so if you're doing these things don't you don't have to say oh Afrikaans is a popular language in Africa. I don't happen to speak Afrikaans, for example, right? So there's a lot of things that um, you know it's more it started becoming more of an awareness standpoint whenever I'm in 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 the, in the continent. And when it comes to Africa, it's now more of an adoption strategy where I do things, right? So that's how I've been able to like bridge what is standardized and what we're trying to like localize in this in this standpoint. What are you most excited about for the next few years from the work you've been building up to at this point and where you're mm -hmm. uh, imagining things to go? Yeah, so I think one of the things that um, I saw real time, um, I, I mean, I've been seeing it from a from a smaller piece standpoint, and I'm someone that I can be pretty hard on myself to know whether I'm successful or not, um, was when I did the festival for the first time, because that was uh, my biggest gathering locally that I planted myself alongside my my my, my, my colleagues in, over in the continent. Um, we saw the impact, even while during the lockdown, during COVID, to show how much of an impact 
most of what we did was pretty crazy. Like after the festival, a week after everywhere was on lockdown and there was a lot of bunch of challenges, but then people were getting jobs, people were changing, you know, um, careers, people were, you know, they were just a massive explode. And then the interesting thing about why I think, you know, we're, we're seeing these changes is because there are a lot of people that like myself in, within the younger age brackets. And this is not what you see in the Western world, Nigeria, as a country, about 70% of the population are probably under the age of 30. So that means they're very energetic. They are, they are very experimental. They are, there's a lot of things that they want to do. They are still trying to do things to fail, learn, and always going through that route compared to what you see over in some of the Western world that are trying to play safe or trying to follow a particular path, right? So there's always that experimental vibe that is going on on the continent. I think that with what I've been able to do, I've been seeing a lot of impact, you know, people sending me DMs and telling me, hey, I, I, I listened to your talk or I'm part of this community that you referred me to and now I'm, I'm this. There's a bunch of developers advocacy. There are a bunch of people working for like fan companies, working at Google, working at a bunch of companies that are like, you know, f five years ago was kind of a joke to them. When I tell them, hey, you can work at Facebook. They're like me, work at Facebook. You know, just a, just a funny bunch of um, conversations. But then things are, every single day now on Twitter, I just go and start putting congratulations every time on Twitter because there's someone leaving the country to a new con um, con country to join, join a new job or working remotely and all that stuff. So I think there have been a huge impact when it comes to optimizing for people to see how they can self-grow without having to like go through some bunch of uh, roadblocks. Yeah, I, I, remember, um, I remember going to Nigeria for the first time for the festival, which yeah. was, I'm so glad that I made the decision to do that before uh, everything locked down. And yeah. we had, you know, in all the airports, like the US was at the time in early 2020 was like, oh yeah, mm. we're fine. And then I, as soon as I leave the country, it was like medical forms and fever checks and a hand sanitizer in all of the airports because there was an entirely different expectation of was, yeah. what was happening in the world. Um, yeah. And I remember your team was working so hard for this really large event that mm -hmm. what, that grew, I would say, what, two or three times bigger than you expected it yeah. to, right? With all yeah, these people yeah. together. And yeah. then afterwards, I know, was probably in recovery mode for, mm -hmm. <laughs> for a little while. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, yeah. I flew back to the States. And as soon as true. I flew back, everybody went into lockdown. Um, true, true. So I, I do look back on that time. I like, I'm so happy that we got to spend that time together. And that I'm so true. honored that you invited me to be a part of that. Because yeah. I also have been watching on Twitter. And I'm like, Holy cow, these last few years have been this explosive yeah, growth for a lot of the, especially yeah. a lot of the organizers and this, people yeah. on your staff. And it's been so lovely to yeah. see. Um, yeah, oh, literally everyone that planned that conference or volunteered at some point, you know, got a job. And, you know, because again, the, the story was big. You know, the companies that supported us were very influential. And the, the, the buzz on Twitter was so big that you can't ignore. I remember going to some conferences, even now I'm in London for a conference and someone was talking about what we did in 2020. So just by talking about it, and even if, interestingly, like one of the things that, um, that even got me my current job, which is pretty interesting was 
when I finished the conference, it took me a while because I was recovering. There was a bunch of things that was going on personally. And when I wrote an article about some things that I've been doing prior to the conference, and I was in this interview phase, I just took the article and said, you know what? If you want to hire me, this is the reason you, you want to hire me in your team, right? And then I forwarded that down to my now manager, and she read and she's like, holy shit, like, um, like, you know, you need to be in the team and all that stuff. And even the same thing also applied to other companies that I was interviewing for. But, um, you know, luckily I was able to get this one. But the, the, the part is the conversation was so big that, you know, you, you're not seeing it like probably on the rock or something or probably not on social media. <laughs> I, I, I also love how not just the, uh, you know, professional paid growth, but it also mm-hmm. seems like a lot of the folks who you introduced me to and who I met, mm-hmm. um, there's also mm-hmm. been this really uh, wonderful change mm-hmm. in everybody's interaction in leadership sure. positions where, sure. Sure. And, it, you know, and you and I had this conversation early on that it wasn't mm-hmm. just a billion users. Your goal wasn't yeah. even a billion developers, but yeah. also yeah. Fundamentally changing who has a voice and who gets to be a leader, not only in technology sure. but in like open source ecosystems. This time, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, go on. Sorry. No, please. Okay, yeah, I think I think that that was that was that was the exact same thing that we were trying to um, um, optimize within the conference. You know, bringing people like yourself and people in the industry that have done amazing work, and and then also people listening to you know people that look like them for people that care about racial side. I'm a very generic person, so I'm just gonna put it that way. But like, there's a lot of things that people care about, and we listened. You know, we did a lot of pools and like, hey. What would you care about coming to the conference? Why would you want to come sit up, sit with us for two days, right? And then we listened, and then we tried to optimize the event, you know, the speakers' choices, the topics, the way it was designed was to kind of answer as much questions as possible. And then one of the things that I saw there was like, and I, the same thing I tried to, and then I think I spoke at some conferences after that event, and I was so specific about that, is that, my vision uh, for me and, and what I'm optimizing the people around me for and the events or conferences that I'm doing or the programs that I'm doing and even in my job is to always create a system. And, and this is something I've been seeing as a, as a newly corporate leader, <laughs> sort of, right, um, is that I, I love when people are in the same room and you're not looking into the differences by age, race, you know, languages, cultural disabilities, but more into like, how do you impute, like, you know, bringing as much diverse thought as possible and then build something from scratch. That was something that I was more focused on when we were setting up the organization and bringing people in, because of course, that was a huge gap between where I was, my co-founder and some other people than the other people that came. Not Naturally, we want to kick in the human instinct and say, okay, listen to me and then do this, you know, listen to me and then take this tax. I mean, that works. Um, there, there's some form of leadership and we can make an argument about why that can work. But then there's, you know, from a, from a, from a continent or from a country where a lot of people are culturally, you know, emotionally or the way the Africanness of them are conditioned them to listen every single time. And then sometimes they feel like their voice is not being heard. So creating that system and say, okay, you can actually speak out, you know, now that's why it's very natural for you to see someone say, oh, I'm now a developer's advocate because they know for a fact that they cannot just code or, or not just do something about this stuff, but they can actually talk about that and share that knowledge. Right. And that's one of the things that we've been seeing, you know, product designers, you know, people basically doing things that aren't necessarily 
telling them to talk about their job, but you always see them talking about it from a leadership standpoint. And I think that's something that is pretty amazing, actually. So what are you most proud of from your work in open source so far? I would say impact. Um, impact in terms of, I think, charging from when I started and I think where I am as of right now, I think every single thing that I was consciously trying to optimize for is to say, how do I go in here and how do I make the most impact? And um, most of the time, sometimes it could be unfair to me because I have to give up a lot of things to do that. Um, sometimes it could be me talking from a selfish standpoint, but then the most important thing is to having to see the human capital, especially on the continent, trying to see the improvement. And those are the things that gives me joy, um, you know, by having to, I remember a lot of things that I had to go through in order to like, run some events at some point i was sponsoring i mean i still do anyways but like at some point i was sponsoring some of the events i randomly just go on twitter and i buy courses and i do a lot of things with people and the reason i'm doing that is not to feel good about myself is to know the fact that okay once there's better human capital there's going to be more ability to listen to more people and and get into better yourself so i see it as more of like investing in people so they would go learn and then share something that I would want to learn in the, in the, in the future. And so it's kind of a win-win situation and how I see things in that angle. So. so the flip side of that, Samson, this might be a very personal question, is what is your biggest regret? Huh, interesting. I think my, my, my biggest regret would be Interesting. So I, I look at two things that I, I, I think might not necessarily be regret now is I've always optimized to be, or maybe something I could do afterwards, but I've always wanted to talk, um, teach in, in university setting. Like it's always something that I've really been curious of because that's how I started my career. And I was optimizing to go to MIT at some point, but I never did um, due to some personal reasons. Um, and I think those are one of the things that I felt like um, and it could be many things because if I, I felt like if I, if I had to go to MIT when I was trying to go to MIT, none of these things would be happening now. I'd just be one of those exports that went over to the state and do things and affects the, the U.S. community, which is also great because I always love impacting things over there. But I but I wouldn't see a lot of values in there because I felt like, you know, nature kind of made it so that I remained on the continent at that time and I did what I wanted to do. But I think for me is having to keep things to myself for a very long time to realize that community was important. Um, I mean, I was pretty young. I was like pretty young. I mean, what did I know at that time, right? But um, I felt like, you know, having to know community from the time I did and and, and I, I imagining when I, you know, if I, if I was introduced to it a little bit much earlier, the impact I would have made because now it took a while and now it's happening now i can imagine it happening years ago and now it could be more of like the maturity stage you know not people reacting and all that stuff so for me i don't think there's a much of a regret because i feel i, I have this belief that things happen for a reason um because i've looked back a lot of options that i would have taken going to corporate jobs taking jobs you know i remember if i there was a company that was trying to hire me pre pre oscar um fast and i remember if i did take that job at that time i don't think oscar would have been happening uh and then that would have had its different impact and i wouldn't be where i am today so just a bunch of things that i, I look at and just see it as like okay that's life you know it's life and yeah yeah i i saw this uh movie one time where and it was like 
the super low budget version of a time travel movie where in order for somebody to time travel, they went into a closet and yeah. like thought about it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but it was yeah. interesting that the, the, it was more of a plot device that I remember. Uh, mm -hmm. It was more to bring up the conversation that there are pivotal moments in your life that if you go back mm -hmm. and change something really before then, like your whole life is different afterwards, mm -hmm. right? So this person mm -hmm. had to really make these decisions around some pivotal moments that they wouldn't mm -hmm. want to change in the future. Um, exactly. I mean, and it sounds like you have at least one of those. I'm curious, is there, mm -hmm. is there anything else that would stand out um, in your mind, uh, not just for you, but maybe for open source in general as like, this is something that you know has changed the way open source looks now and the way that it's going to look in the future. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, um, is, is this like on the regret side or is it more of like the optimizing for the future? I'm not sure what the question is. Yeah, yeah. So I think just in general, it sounds like there's been like, uh, when we talked about regrets or we talked about um, like things you're proud of or your journey so far mm -hmm. or what's inspired you, uh, there's mm -hmm. kind of been these like key decisions, key moments that you can tie things back to. Mm -hmm. So even regrets, you're like, okay, I regret this. And I know that if this was di different, I wouldn't have done this thing. And if this thing was different, this uh, thing wouldn't have happened. So sure, I wonder sure, like sure. taking a step back from your experience and from the specific communities you've been working with, um, mm -hmm. as you think about open, like global open source in general, or open source with your experience with the African community. Um, I know you mm -hmm. do work with sustain and the OSI, but is there anything that kind of pops out for you as to like, oh yeah, I remember this one thing happened. And then the whole community was talking about it. And I have either <laughs> you do or do not have a strong opinion about it. It's totally cool. Mm -hmm. But like yeah. what stands out in your mind as like a pivotal moment or something that's happened um, that you think has influenced like way open source is now or will be in the future? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. I think for me, right, uh, one of the things that going back uh, if i could fix that could maybe better optimize was me constantly belittling my effort um because i started the journey on a solo angle um i mean from a from a real real time except from the irc side of it um and i felt like because i wasn't talking about it and like i said right if there's any regrets in this case it would be me not talking about what I've been doing for a very long time, I think I started seeing the value of it when people around me started doing it. Like people around me, not in my community, but like over in the States started sharing. And I started seeing the the value of sharing. And I felt like if I was optimized at that time, there would have been more impact and there would have been more growth. And I've, I would have done things a little bit earlier and things would have been more matured. Um, and those are the things that I see here because again, I, I have this thing where I just constantly just say, okay, I mean, it's cool. I did that stuff, but it's like nothing, right? It's like, that's one of those stuff. Uh, and, and, and because of the way I grew up, I grew up from a very military background. So, um, you sometimes want to just take things as like, okay, okay. You know, I did that stuff, but it's cool. Um, and then as a child, I was much optimized to understand that things are a little bit different, right? So taking credit was not much of something that I, 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 I was more optimized for it. I felt like that alone had a lot of impact where I am today and, and, um, where, where, where I'm going to be. So like, 
recently I started optimizing for trying to say, okay, I mean, you did this stuff. It's cool. It's okay. It's fine. You can take credit for it and you can actually talk about it. Right. Um, and that itself has been able to change. And I think one of those biggest impacts was um, when I did a project with GitHub. It was really interesting because when um, I, I flew over to the States and I was speaking at the, I was hosting a panel section called the Open Source um, Africa's panel, I believe. And then some of the folks over there internally were like, hey, we want to, we're, we're trying to launch this readme project that would, you know, get give more maintainers or individuals to share their story. I remember spending up to like a week trying to figure out what I wanted to say because I just dropped my thoughts in there and I keep deleting stuff. I was like, no, 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 that's too personal. Uh, you know, and, and I that, that that took a while. Like my story was pretty crazy, but then to get it into, in, and then when they did, and then they shared it on, on the, within their, their platforms, you know, obviously they saw a lot of big impact because that's one of the biggest, based on what they told me, that's the biggest story that they, they covered. But also with me, a lot of people could get more insight about what I was doing. So there was a lot of a confusion and, and that also helped them to like project the career and, and that got more impact. So I think these are one of the things that um, I see that the more confident that people within my society becomes, and to be able to take credit, that kind of like affects the general open source side because they could now go out there and talk about their story, go to conferences and talk about, you know, tips and tricks or like, you know, ideas. And then that would also affect the global cyber understanding that, okay, there's this side of this world where we have not been optimizing for and we need to start fixing our problems and start making sure that, you know, there are more contributors coming in there, not just contributors, but becoming maintainers. And then, you know, by them maintaining that also create a ripple effect and bringing more people in. So I think those are one of the things that would kind of tie back to me not taking credit or not me doing a bunch of stuff. So Awesome. Yeah, and I, I, I'm so sorry that we only actually have about a few minutes left. Um, and so mm -hmm. before we have to end, um, mm -hmm. I, I first of all, I just want to ask, do you have any parting thoughts that you would want to um, put out into the world uh, as a part of this discussion? Share as early as you can, actually. <laughs> um, to be honest, I think I see the power of sharing. The power of sharing also give you know um, um, good power of network because the more you talk about what you do, um, because again, this is the internet age, maybe it would have been a little bit different if I was born pre-internet age. Luckily, I didn't. So um, that would have been much harder for me. But um, I feel like, you know, with the internet age and the way people are using social media, like sharing your story would just, you know, be a really big impact to someone's life. And I've seen that happen. And that's one of the things. And one of the things that that does in this case is making sure that people advocating for you behind doors is like a friend of mine wrote an article saying, who is speaking on your behalf? People can't speak on your behalf when you're not talking about yourself. Right. So I think that that's a pretty interesting one. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that idea of not just uh, not just sharing your story, but also sharing other people's stories when they're not right in front story. of you. Yeah. 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 Well, well, thank you, Samson, so much for uh, joining the conversation today. It was awesome sure. to hear you talk about so many things I we hadn't talked about before. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm always happy to, to to talk about, you know, Africa and like open source. I mean, love the fact that I, you know, always been in open source and looking forward to seeing more, more collaboration going forward. Thank you. Awesome. All right.